0: Hi, I'm Holly Burrows from Bucks, and you're listening to Dame Baptiste questions everything. My question is: Why are cats funny? Okay, here comes the show. And remember,
1: question everything.
0: This podcast is not anti-cat. I just want to make that clear. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dame
2: Baptiste questions everything, a podcast where myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor Dame Baptiste, my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka the Hizzle. Hello. And a mix of very special guests posed the questions that need to be asked. And we are talking everything from...
0: We are talking everything, including Holly uh, from Bucks' question. Lovely Holly's question. Why are cats funny? Specialist subject for me. Uh, thank you for asking, Holly.
2: Really good specialist subject, Howard. If anyone, if anyone has been able to show the funny side of cats, it's BAFTA award-winning yeah, Howard Cullen. Yeah,
0: check out "Play Your Pets Right" on the <laughs> on Sky. And um, why are cats funny? It's a very simple thing, Holly. I can just, start, I'll answer this quickly for you is that um, they take things really seriously. They take things really fucking seriously, and therefore, yeah. when they're doing something that is amusing you laugh because they're taking it so seriously they don't laugh there's no sense of a cat ever laughing so uh that's why
2: or is uh, there we've just never seen a cat laugh before Howard because (laughs) I feel like cats strike me as the kind of kind of species that maybe only laugh amongst themselves
0: yeah yeah well I, I think suffice to say on this podcast we ask and answer all the questions including whether cats are funny. If you're a cat, feel free to get in touch some way. I don't know how, but
2: yeah, with Howard, I'm the. But his views don't represent mine. I don't want any cats coming from me, Howard. Okay,
0: well that's that's you fine. You know, you
2: know, they don't have a sense of humour where humans are concerned. Yeah,
0: that's fine, mate. I, I've got no problem with that. Um, but um, yeah, no. Hello to all the cats out there.
2: It's a chat chat to all the cats that are uh, prowling around various listening devices while uh, other people listen to this podcast. And we do welcome all of your questions. No question is too big, too small. Too funny and too feline. And if you do like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify and you'll never miss an episode. Or you can subscribe to us on Acast, the world's biggest podcast network, where you can hear all of our very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests. With that being said, on today's show is a fast rising multi award winning comedian. He won Comedia New Comedian of the Year Award 2020 and made it to the London final of the BBC New Comedy Awards in 2021. He can be seen in the latest series of the stand-up sketch show on ITV2 and his radio credits include The Breakfast Show on Times Radio, hosting BBC Radio Kent and stand-up on Union Jack Radio. As well as performing comedy, he works as a junior doctor in the NHS. He's currently working on his debut Owl Show, which he will take to the Pleasants at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this year and we're wishing him the best of luck as he administers the world's best medicine. Please welcome to the podcast, Mr. or Dr. Michael Akadiri.
0: Yes. Oh what what! An <laughs> intro.
1: I'm going to applaud that myself, man. You're <laughs> yeah, this good, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah,
2: we 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 don't have the medical profession, but we do have we do give our flowers where they are due, oh, Michael. Definitely,
0: I can yeah. them from here, man. Thank you so much. That's my, my uh, that's my word scalpel uh, pulling that together. Uh, very
1: very well done, very well stitched together, man. I appreciate
0: that. I can I can keep trying to think of medical word-based <laughs> puns, but there's no need to resuscitate. There's no need to resuscitate this conversation, is there? Let's be honest. So um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) all right time time of death (laughs) (laughs) how you doing mike well
1: welcome no thank you so much to both of you for having me man i much appreciate it thank you that's an honor
0: feelings about cats feelings about cats michael i I don't i don't i don't trust cats
1: man cats i i I don't trust a pet you can't walk it's um, so these- <laughs> <laughs> not a pet, is it, Michael? Nah, it's not, not, a not a pet. I, I don't know what
2: these cats be doing. It's not domesticated. It's not. They're not domesticated. Let me tell you,
0: you're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they got to you too, Howard. Yeah, you're, you're, you're wrong. I thought you were right. And I was right. I thought, Dane knows this story. I'm not going to do the whole version again. They've heard it on this show before. But until I met my wife, who's not a cat, obviously, but, um, you know, uh, she, but she had a cat. I had to befriend the cat to get the wife. And oh, wow. now I love the cat. And the cat is, it doesn't need, it's its own thing. It's its own thing. And and, it, and you love it. You respect it for that. You. Res- it doesn't, I have nothing to do with its poop. Think about that. I've got a child here. It's not, it, I have to look after its poop on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. A dog, you have to do the same. That cat takes care Bought of all its out. shit. Takes care of all its shit. And it's killed more people than all of us. So, you know. Oh,
1: wow. It's got, it's got bodies on this count. Wow.
2: Well, not like human bodies that we know of, but bodies for like sure. Mouse bodies. <laughs> that is, Yeah, exactly. Mouse <laughs> bodies. I imagine a few, maybe, maybe a few starlings here and there. A finch or two, <laughs> some
0: robins. Michael, I—I I mean, the surgical precision when I came down the other day, and the cat yeah. had killed a bird, right? And oh, it's wow. he- the bird's head was all that was left, just the head. Damn, you literally got a, a killer cat. What?
2: They're That's all killers. You, Mike, didn't you hear what Howard said? And Howard was describing it as a, as if the cat is a. Thinking he's describing a happy member of his family, what well, he was really describing is the process of trying to endear himself to a stepchild. Who just tolerates him and doesn't really like him? as I had to get the cat to get the wife, and now me and the cat are cool. That sounds like the cat has just learned to tolerate you, Howard, more than anything. And in exchange that's for it, it,
1: you broke the cat down. The cat's
2: been like, "You will do as I say. You win a BAFTA, <laughs> and then I have my own." The room. cat
0: doesn't even appreciate that it won that BAFTA anyway. But that's another conversation for another time. <laughs> it's probably time for a question, is it, Dane? Before this this, this cat based nonsense continues for the rest of the show.
2: If it, yeah. Howard, they're trying to suppress any narratives which may be anti-feline,
0: <laughs> as he does. So
2: uh, I'll move on very swiftly with the, with the, with the, with the pace of a, of a big cat. And uh, Michael will say, as our very esteemed guest, we'd like to invite you to ask the first question on the podcast, which we'd like to discuss for about 15 minutes and some change. Then Howard would like to do the same and pose you a question, which we just discuss for 15 minutes mm-hmm. or so. And then, uh, as if it was a repeat prescription, I'd like to ask you a question that we should discuss for 15 minutes. And then we'd like for you to tell our listeners where they can find out about your good works, uh, past, present, future and potential. And then we're all going to have a wonderful day free of the oppression of the uh, feline elites. How does that sound? <laughs>
1: that sounds absolutely fantastic.
0: <laughs> that word, the floor is yours. Please uh, ask us the first question. This podcast is not anti-cat. I don't know to make that clear. This podcast
1: <laughs> <is bad. laughs> a little disclaimer there. In case Whiskers want to sponsor you guys. Yeah, like
0: that. exactly. It definitely isn't. A- edit that in at the start, please, guys. Edit that in at the start.
1: The question I wanted to ask, I think we touched on it before we hit the record button, was about sort of truth in comedy. And I think I wanted to just talk about how truthful do we have to be when, as a performer, we go on stage? Is it relevant? Is it not relevant? Do we listen more to comics that we believe are being truthful? Do they have more of an impact? When we leave the venue, do they have more of an impact if we think they're being truthful? And I just wanted to get both of your takes on that.
0: And, and and can I just ask, just with with your current escapades in comedy, mm-hmm. what I assume you've been having some experiences that have been inspiring that yes. goal, right?
1: Yes, yes, yes. I'll do a preview uh, in Bristol, very, very, very nice city. And part of of my debut hour that I'm doing uh, called No Scrubs. Uh, part of it is I have a very truthful bit where I talk about my experience in a court uh, case, essentially. And I had someone stand Mm. up and basically accuse me of lying about said experience. And it caused a whole escapade, uh, sort of lots of shouts, accusations. And then she eventually took herself out to the applause of the rest of the audience. So it just got me thinking, rah, like as a a comic, I was being truthful. That was the sort of ironic thing about this part. I was being very truthful, but she accused me of lying. And I just got me thinking, rah, how truthful do we have to be as comedians? Do audience members come and think, I expect the truth for the whole time. Do they accept that there is going to be some white lies for humorous effects? So I just thought, let me let me get both your esteemed
0: opinions on such. Well, you know what? I know so much about Dane that I am literally like, I don't want to say. I you know what? Dane, do it. <laughs> <laughs> I was,
2: not, I was happy. I was um, happy to wait patiently. Um, no, no, no. Well, well, a lot of,
0: Me and Dane um, have a lot of, and uh, we have shared a lot of discourse yeah. about this. So, Dane. Yeah, well.
2: I think, first of all, it's very uh, interesting and somewhat ironic that uh, one of the examples we used was a, a little white lie, which uh, within our society has always been deemed as very acceptable and um, tends to be and uh, has a lot of connotation. And uh, based on the conversation we had before where you were discussing your experiences within the legal system, um, safe to assume that the person that challenged your anecdote was a white woman in Bristol.
1: Yeah, it was. Who... <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, and and uh, just to... Uh, I want to be able to apply a nuanced answer to this question. Um, what part of your story was she actually challenging? I don't, you don't want to plot spoil your show yeah, too much. Yeah, but... no,
1: she was basically challenging the point where I was talking about my experience and how I yeah. felt and my thoughts and my feelings being in that case. And she accused yeah. me of lying about my thoughts and my feelings, essentially.
2: Oh. Which is a really strange thing for somebody to do without proof. But um, yeah, in a post-populist world... It's very easy nowadays for people just to kind of decry what you're saying if it challenges their own perception of reality. Um, However, I would say by that token, uh, comedians aren't necessarily obligated. I don't think you're obligated to tell the truth, but I think if you are going to be gratified or validated for an accurate observation as a comedian, then what you're saying has to be true. And I also feel like if you are going to distinguish yourself and your story and your perspective on the world as an individual, in order for it to resonate with other people, you have to give a uh, a genuine account. Um, I think the more you tend to embellish a story, um, for comedic effect, it can uh, produce two different effects. It can you know, be funny, which is obviously the endeavour of the performances that we do on stage or the stories we tell in most cases. But it might be harder for you to distinguish yourself and for people to remember it mm. um, if... Too much of the facts are open to uh, interpretation or embellishment. But I I think as a comedian, if you are opining on reality, then you have to be real. Mm. So I think it's very important for you to do that. And I think because, you know, the truth is uh, going to be the, the easiest thing for you to tell because it's an accurate uh, recollection of events or phenomena, then it's going to be the easiest one for people to understand as well. Mm. So I think it can be very important because so much of our jobs as comics involve finding some mutuality or relativity between our audience. And I think unless you give an accurate depiction of something, it's very hard for you to do that.
0: I think you said one very interesting element there. It was all interesting, but the one interesting element I thought was, was, what's easiest for people to understand? That's like a key component of what we're talking about. And like... You can also kind of draw some kind of some lines in the sand. So, like, mm. let's take someone who I'm sure we all have appreciated, Spencer Jones. Mm. You know, people go and watch Spencer Jones live. If you're coming for him to be re- real, and, mm. and to further your your thinking about your place in the world and society as a whole, you've bought the wrong fucking ticket to the wrong I'm show, guessing. right? <laughs> so, let's just say there's like a zone in which Spencer Jones would be the center of in comedy, right? But then I would say that, you know, yourself, Dane, um, we've had previous guests such as Finn Taylor, mm-hmm. um, Athena Kublenu, Mae mm-hmm. Martin. I'll chuck Mae Martin. Mae May, uh, had a wonderful Edinburgh show that kind of uh, helped really helped progress her career. Talked a lot about some of her battles uh mm-hmm. with, with 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 intoxicants um that i think if you go and you watch those shows some of those types of shows and you feel that the person wasn't truthful it, it, an audience well, do they feel cheated i mean if they're feeling cheated that it's not 100 percent true then that audience needs to be i don't know they have to understand that no that can't be it can't be 100 percent, can it yeah what i mean it also actually it raises another point because it's how much of the
2: truth is your audience willing to entertain mm. because obviously um it's based on your experience is that you, you were giving a truthful anecdote but you obviously dealt with an audience member who wasn't ready to hear that truth despite it being your own truth because it challenged their reality mm-hmm. so i guess yeah um to extend on the answer i guess it's you can be as truthful as an audience is prepared to listen to the truth because i guess what, what one social phenomenon we're seeing uh, globally is that there are a lot of people are reveling in uh, populism and opinion rather than fact. Mm. And we've provided, and it's, there, we've seen much more of a normalization where people can actively resist the truth if it doesn't suit their reality. And I want to show proof by uh, citing your um, other occupation as a medical professional Yeah, where... Um, I was speaking to a friend who's a GP who was saying that they are really struggling with trying to provide people with health and nutritional advice, especially following the pandemic, because they are now having to fight against somewhat toxic, toxically positive uh, movement uh, for body positivity, mm. where it's like you can be whatever size you want in, in spite of the health implications.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's now gotten to the point where, aside from you know, people trying not to have to, people not being forced to conform to an aesthetic, it's now become, that's, that's now grown to become somewhat toxically positive where now people, even though it's compromising their own health, are challenging medical advice oh, for the 100%. sake of, you know, pleasing themselves aesthetically. So I guess you probably know more than me, like, you know, when you're giving people a, do- a dose of reality from a medical standpoint, um, do you do you sometimes find you struggle in that, in that way?
1: Yeah, I think sometimes uh, Dr. Google uh, can be can be your friend, but also can be your your enemy in in that regard. And obviously... the
2: highest paid and let the least qualified doctor in the world. Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> Billions in revenue.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, but... <laughs> doesn't have to do one operation very few
2: treatments yeah very few operations completed successfully Dr. exactly Google.
1: <laughs> exactly uh, they got the best deal so obviously because there's so much information out there people are free to sort of access it at their sort of leisure and obviously we always tell people do your own research and you know read up but i think sometimes that can empower people someone could be on a on a reddit forum and getting information and then they they will take that to a consultation and use that as their evidence to challenge a medical <laughs> professional. And they don't even know what qualifications this person has sort of got on this Reddit yeah. forum. But they're looking at a medical professional. If the
2: person's a person for that, for that matter.
1: Exactly, exactly. Mm. Or it could be a Twitter thread or whatever it is. And I think we're getting to a place where it doesn't matter what someone's background is. If they're saying what your ears like, they're gonna, they're gonna look at that more favorably than what you're saying to them, regardless if you're the professor of the professor of the professor. And um, I think, yeah, now I'm seeing a lot more sort of challenging of of healthcare professionals in that way. Before it was very paternalistic. And I know that medicine wants to move away from that and it wants to be more sort of patient-centered, more joint-centered care. But um, that does come with its challenges of patients feeling that they know better than someone who's spent... Years you can say that,
2: you can say you can say some patients are stupid Michael that's fine
1: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: because you know what we're, what I was because I was, we're trying, we're using it in a, in a, in a metaphorical sense where because obviously comedy a lot of the time is regarded as the best medicine mm-hmm. and I think that's sometimes definitely. when you when you give people uh said medicine mm-hmm. and the, sh- the sugar coating or the dosage isn't to what they perceive to be their liking yeah yeah some people tend to sh- swallow uh, to struggle with swallowing uh that medicine. Oh no doubt. If if, if the result is going to be too truthful mm-hmm. and so I just yeah, think is...
0: I just think that my you know if I was going to kind of nutshell some of the nonsense that I hear around this subject not from you guys but from others who can you know kiss my ass as far as I'm concerned <laughs> is that that if you like it to be authentic, right? Whether it be scripted comedy on television or stand-up comedy, live comedy, whatever you want, you want it to be authentic? Great, I love that. But if it if it all isn't, don't fucking moan. Just get, yeah. just just accept that someone bared their. So I mean, I used to Day knows. I used to do some jokes for a before I had a child. I did I did a couple of years of just trying out stand up because I wanted to see if I could do it. And oh, you know really? the bits the bits that worked were the bits where I talked about not being good at sex, right? And do you know why they laughed? Because it was fucking true. And- <laughs> <laughs> or was it true to them, Howard? No, it's it, it, the, 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 story, the story. I mean, if I ended up doing, let's say I did a X amount of gigs, hundreds plus gigs, I ended up with 10 minutes that could work wherever I went. And that was all spaced around one true story, and everything else I threw into the mix, either it needed to be true or it wasn't, it didn't matter. You, but I knew that the authentic bit, they all went, fuck, that actually happened to that guy. People, people, <laughs> people will always love that, but don't expect every word of it to be true, you know. Mm. It, yeah, but it's also, it's also relatable as well.
2: There's, there's, a, there's a number of reasons where if you're giving a anecdote, uh, there may be some elements or details you have to omit or change or embellish because you may be protecting people that are involved Mm -hmm. Um, because even though you are presenting a story or an anecdote or uh, recanting something from a comedic perspective yourself, Mm -hmm. other people that may be involved may have interpreted that as traumatic and so, yeah, of course you're going to change it but um, I guess it depends in terms of the story you're telling how important it is that you tell the truth. I I, I think especially if you are going to uh, preface your occupation as a comedian with observational like most of us do, Mm -hmm. then you will have to provide an accurate depiction of the reality on which you're opining because otherwise you're not making accurate observations. Okay, well, so, you know, if you're talking about a story which may have an undercurrent of racial profiling or discrimination within the legal system and someone objects to that, it's very strange for them to do so because aside from the comedy edit that you're telling, anyone that's paying attention to the current state that we're living in would be aware that um, racial discrimination and the racial inequity has been a part of a global discussion for at least the last three years. Mm -hmm. And so to suggest that you have an anecdote which uh, includes these factors isn't true, uh, could only say, I could only deduce that that person hasn't really got a grip on reality itself.
1: Agreed. And the worst Agreed. part of it, she said she was a lawyer, so that that's what made it even more sort of interesting. Or... Now
2: who, now who's lying? Yeah,
1: <laughs> because
2: normally when a lawyer has an argument, they tend to present a precedent, and it's not very hard to find a precedent of racial discrimination within the legal system. No. So, no. and also, I've never heard of a lawyer losing an argument and storming out the courtroom.
1: Mm. <sighs> that's it.
2: You know, you that's should be able it. to discuss something legally from the perspective of your uh, academic uh, standpoint as opposed from emotionally. So it's really weird that this are claimed to be a lawyer, but they were more like American courtroom. Objection, Michael Akadiri. <clears throat> I have an objection. Oh, and you were like, over motherfucking ruled. How about that?
0: <laughs> uh, it's a great question, though. And one, I expect to have on this podcast in various forms mm. for potentially... Years and years to come, right, Dane? Because it, 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 it's it's the subtext to the world we live in all 100%. the time, right? So thank you for bringing the, the question, no, no, Michael. Thanks for answering it. I love those
1: answers. Great, question. Like,
2: Great question. And we'd like to say a massive fuck you to the lady that interrupted Michael <laughs> during his preview. <laughs> yes. And I would encourage you to stay the fuck in your house if you can't handle the truth, lady.
1: Whoop, whoop. Say it um, again. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: Now, I'm going to move uh, this on to something very different for my question. Uh, Apologies in advance, Michael, uh, for how this question comes out. No, no, no. Okay. So, Michael... What's this on my leg, mate? Because uh, I can see. It. I've got oh, something, my God. I've got something there, right? That's I can see. Uh, sorry, I can't really hear the microphone. What do you think that is on there? I've got something. Uh, it's a little blotch there. I don't know if you want to keep tea. You no, know we it. We, we need a better light. I, I okay. Well, tell you what, I'll feel... Google, you widow. Yeah. Well, what, what yeah. I do, Michael. I'll just send you some pictures if that's all right, mate. And you can. Uh... <laughs> I'm obviously joking, but I'm using this as a, as a way to 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 channel the question, which is. Uh, I've never done that before uh, on a Zoom. Uh, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty impressed about how supple you are, to be honest well, with you, Howard. Well, I actually Howard. warmed up are earlier
2: because sure, I you, thought about are it. Are you
1: sure you're bad at sex? Because your leg went
2: pretty high just then.
1: You're a gymnast, Howard. you a
0: gymnast. You've clearly improved since then, Howard. <laughs> it's because really the there's a medical... Anyway, basically, I've got like a bit of a thing on my leg. I wouldn't say it's, you know, it's just a little... Blotch, little blotch, kind of could could be a bit itchy now and again. What is it? How do you how do you help hypochondriacs, Michael? Because clearly I am one, and I can give you many other instances. How do you help hypochondriacs? Because you must deal with a fuck ton of them.
1: It's fortunately for me because I don't work in GP or any. I probably don't see them as often as my colleagues in those departments. But they obviously one can be quite difficult to deal with because you can never sort of satisfy them. And apparently what they tend to do, particularly GPs, my understanding is that they tend to provide consistency. So they usually try to get the same GP to see them maybe on Mm. a consistent sort of basis. So maybe the same GP has a slot with them every week or maybe every two weeks and has a double slot with them. So the same person deals with them. Because obviously if they go to different people and you've not come across a hypochondriac, you may take them more seriously than they probably should be taken seriously if that sort of makes sense and start yeah. ordering investigations that may or may not be required but if you have that continuity and you have a person that understands this person and their fears and concerns then maybe we can limit the amount of unnecessary investigations and thus unnecessary radiation right interesting
0: because there's, there's a lot of us about on varying levels i reckon i'm like i guess defcon 5 is the top it's a hypochondriac <laughs> who's just constantly on the end and that's how you know how it is
2: a hypochondriac because he has likened his conditions to <laughs> pentagon <laughs> the, the pentagon uh, terms <laughs> for for glo, for global for global uh, terror threats
0: yeah i reckon I'm, but, <laughs> i reckon i'm somewhere down in two between two and three uh in terms of my hypochondriac but there are people who are, uh, really oh, yeah. it's, suffer it's, from this right hyper hypochondria is end- is endemic yeah.
1: No, it's it's about and I think the difficult thing is is sometimes obviously people getting that label and they could be that the one odds law there will will be that one time there's something genuinely wrong that have a general medical problem, but because they've got this label, people may not take them seriously. So that's probably why it's better to sometimes have someone that really knows them, so knows when it's like, Okay, this may be something serious rather than something that they're just unnecessarily concerned about. Um but yeah, mm. you don't want to be the one that misses something, because obviously you've got that on your name and then as a throwback, you end up in a court case.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, do you is there a particular uh do you do you find that uh, there is any kind of seasonality to where you see hypochondria? So, for example, I guess with the uh, epidemic which became a pandemic, would you see a change with that? Did that change the kind of numbers of people that may have had problems of hypochondria? Oh, or is is there like Christmas time as a change or Valentine's Day? People like, what's this on my genitals?
0: <laughs> You're like, just
1: uh, dirt, you dirty, dirty, oh my goodness. Um, I definitely think, with, well, with the pandemic, a lot of people stayed away. Like, I think people weren't coming to the hospital unless it was absolutely necessary. But then that caused a wave of people coming when they were really, really, really sick. Um, mm. but then also, you do like from the times I used to work in any, you do see people come in with you know genital issues. And I remember, uh, you one young person came in came in bizarrely with a gentle sort of problem down below with his mother, which I thought, this is very bizarre. And they both entered the consultation. I said, does what, mum, do you want to step out? She's like, no, I want to hear everything. I said, oh my, which made me uncomfortable. But if you're comfortable. I need see, to- Me too. <laughs> it made me very uncomfortable. I said, you know, if you're fine with it, I need to be professional. I need to be fine with it. And I said, look, you've had unprotected sex. I'll give you this medication. I don't want to see you again. Twenty-four hours, I come back. He's there again, different person. Unprotected sex again, but the mother, crucially, was not there this time. So, <laughs> so I was like, "Oh."
2: Were you saying, mother? Was there any? Did you perform any kind of genetic test to prove this was a mother and not,
1: <laughs> not what sounds like a pimp? A sugar, mother, yeah? Sugar, yeah, sugar, sugar mama, sugar yeah, yeah, sugar mama, yeah, could have
2: been a sugar mama. That's could true. Have been a
1: sugar mama, I, I did not. No, I did not do any genetic test or check their sugar levels. I didn't do anything. So I, I, I let them be. Like, it could have been, he could have been pimped. See, now you make me think I made a mistake all these years ago. I could have have stopped the pimp ring.
2: It's not too late. It's not too late, Michael, you know. And the thing is, did they want to be stopped? You know, they just wanted to be treated. You know, the idea is that you provide the treatment. You can't cure everything in one consultation. That's
1: very true. That's very true. You may have enjoyed it.
2: Don't be hard on yourself. That was his job, according to his sugar mama. (laughs) So, um... so
0: we still haven't sorted out what's wrong with my leg, by the way. Just not to make a big deal out of it. No. How <laughs> you can't just show somebody? You have to. Have, uh, are there any other symptoms? Nothing. Just, Nothing. Just a gr- and just the, the reason this or... is nonsense, right, is that I burnt myself the other week on this arm, and it's still not recovered. And that's because I basically. The next day, I was like, "Fucking hell! Look at my arm. What have I done?" And I was like, "Oh, you burned yourself." I was like, "Yeah, but that looks like much more serious. Maybe I should go and annoy someone <laughs> about this." <laughs> uh, and then you're like, "Oh no!" Because you really fucking burnt yourself, you idiot. So that's why it's re- it's taking a while to heal because you no. really burn yourself. Yeah. Now, Howard,
2: Howard, what did you did you run your uh your burn under a cold tap for about 15 minutes or so oh,
1: Dane, i don't you know think i did it say to you on smash i like that, <laughs> that
2: that's supposed to yeah because first degree burns like a lot of people don't run them under cold water that's how you're supposed to stop it from uh blistering mm.
0: did, you, you, did what... you do that howard no i didn't dame well there there well howard <laughs> there you
2: go there's only so much a doctor can help you if you're not going to help yourself howard
0: <laughs> i tell you the one thing i think about with this <laughs> now right is that yeah, i i'm probably fine and the doctor said it was fine. They looked at it twice. Do you know what? I'll check it out again. It's not causing me any real discomfort. I need to get on with my life. But I do think it's interesting because it's the one, it's the, it's the bit, it's, the, it's this brilliantly gray area between physical and mental health. And Mental health is a constant conversation in the modern mm-hmm. era, right? And I look at it and I just think, God, it's such a brilliant, complicated, gray area. And that you, you know, that's so when you talk about those people that you, you might have dealt with or colleagues deal with, Michael. It's like, are you really dealing with a physical problem or are you are dealing with a mental health issue? Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah, 100%. 100%. Like, and that's the difficult thing, especially when you've you got, uh, I think it's called Muschenhausen syndrome or something like that. We can probably fast check. Muschhausen syndrome.
2: Mun- yeah, Munchausen by proxy. You know, it's so funny because when you said the guy kept coming in with his mum and she was like, take a look at his penis, there's something wrong with that. Yeah. I was thinking, does she have Munchausa by proxy
1: syndrome? A concerned mum about her son's health, obviously specifically sexual health in here, but then I think the next day, because I said I don't want to see e- either of you again in the nicest <laughs> yeah. way possible, and then 24 <laughs> I hours. <know>. <laughs> <laughs> I am not to see either of you. Either of you <laughs> hit in the nicest <laughs> way possible, and then 24 hours, you came back to say hello. I said, oh my goodness, you didn't listen to anything. But um, yeah, I think yeah, there are people with motion and, um and I hope I'm saying that correctly. It would be embarrassing if I'm not. Who sort of come come to they come with physical elements, or they think that they've got physical elements. They call them like somatosensory disorders. So you think you've got a physical problem, um, but when when you largely it's probably mental in 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 origin. And we, yeah, you see a lot of that in, in the healthcare system. And I think that's where, as I said, having someone who knows the individual that can provide that continuity is the solution in those scenarios. And as I said, it's always difficult to sort of manage these because you don't want to be the one that misses the time. They, they generally do have something. Yeah, There always is that risk. Sod's law is prevalent.
2: Oh, always. I mean, so much so. I wish I could have become a Sod's lawyer in another life. But um, with, you know, with, uh, I guess the thing is with a uh, psychosomatic issues you can't really as a general general practitioners can't really perform a psychoanalysis in the same way that you you do like a physical assessment of someone's ailments and it's interesting because how you know mentioned how much uh, mental health plays a part in conversations about health in general it's, I guess it's, it's tough because you can't necessarily psychiatrically uh, evaluate somebody in the same way that you do when someone comes yeah. in with a burn mark or a growth or a rash yeah, old, there's something called a mental
1: kids state kids. exam. So a lot of psychiatrists sort of do it. G, it they take quite a long time uh, to do. So you don't... GP in a 10-minute slot may not have the sort of time to do a sort of accurate or 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 sort of thorough one. Um, but uh, as, exactly that. It's all about... And I think that's the difficulty with sort of community psych, psychiatry as well. Like there's crisis teams. It sounds really in a crisis or there's a community psych team who there may be long waits for someone to be referred to such. So I think that's the... These sort of problems that you guys are both talking about, the facilities and the communities aren't as best... Aren't as best, I think, obviously, probably due to money, due to funding, due to enough staff and all of the above, uh, for these patients to be appropriately managed and uh, sort of out accordingly.
0: Mm. Well, see. it's really really kind of you to have agreed to look at these pictures and give me your professional diagnosis Michael I really do appreciate it and no pressure but obviously I have a young family so um, get get it right get it right yeah get it get it right you know and um uh I've uh I feel a bit better it's such a weird thing though I mean genuinely who you look at it and you'd be like well, are we, are we still
2: talking about the growth or yeah, the yeah. phenomenon of hypochondria? Uh,
0: bit of both, probably. Okay. <laughs> um, but, um, I definitely look at it and just go, "Oh yeah, what, what, what a complete potential waste of my time." I feel like Michael's going to
2: be like, "I never want to see you two again."
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, brilliant, Dane. Mate, I've loved today. What 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 have you got up on your uh, prescription pad uh, in terms of questions today? For, for I, my... I hope I got, I got a good
2: question. I want to give the background on this first of all. Is that Michael? Uh, I, w- I had the pleasure of uh, working with you uh, as you uh, were progressing to the final of the BBC New Comedy Award. Uh, so I saw all the great stuff you were doing. Um, but also want to say, use this juncture to say, I admire you, bro. I like oh, definitely not only as a comic, but obviously as your work, I find. Uh, Medical professionals to be very selfless, and uh, I admire anybody who uh, goes into that profession and takes the Hippocratic oath, try and help people any way they can, Thank and you. also. I also admire any brother who can walk into their parents' house and be like, I'm a doctor because we all know, you know, that puts you in the Champions League of uh, immigrant children.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Champions League. <laughs>
2: you know, in, in Champions League of immigrant children. Like your mom gets to sit in rooms with her relatives and be like,
1: Well, my son's a doctor. So <laughs> well, I'm sure she has many a time. I'm sure she's been starting yeah, yeah.
2: on me a few times. It's like it's like being it's like being a rapper in the early noughties with a Rockefeller chain. Like oh, my son's a doctor, so looking give that background <laughs> that you know it's amazing work, and if you're not told then uh i I speak on behalf of uh, others like us when I say we're proud of you oh thank you bro um but my so my question is that um obviously you are now working in uh the fields of administering uh both literal medicine and the best medicine mm-hmm. so my question to you is this if you could cure only one autoimmune disease and one <laughs> Viral or bacterial disease? What would it be of each of those? Uh,
1: the autoimmune disease, um, and
2: why And also, why would you want to cure that particular one as well? Uh,
1: the autoimmune disease—the one that Jada Pinkett Smith had—that would have stopped the whole Oscar slap happening. <laughs> and <would've> the- <laughs> <laughs> so, if, if we cured that, then obviously Chris Rock wouldn't have made that joke, and then we wouldn't have slapped him, and then we wouldn't have had this whole fiasco. A few, love it last month now about whether it's right to hit a comedian on stage and all the other outcry from that. So if we could sort out the autoimmune disease that caused the alopecia, maybe I wouldn't be in my position, but anyway, I think if we also sorted (laughs) that out, um, that would be my autoimmune disease to cure. Mm. And what was it? What what was the other disease that I had? Uh, And the
2: other one was if there was a uh, disease that's caused by a virus of any type or bacteria of any type. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, I I think um, what what we had the last two years, it's just, I've never seen obviously I, I I was I lived through swine flu um mm-hmm. swine flu obviously came it kind of came and went you know it obviously you're, you're that, a
2: you're a, su- you're a survivor I'm a survivor cool. I, I made it you're through swine
1: flu obviously the catch it bin it cl- uh, catch it bin it kill it well, they, 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 we had a skank the it was, swine flu was not taken <laughs> so seriously there was even a skank that we were, young people were doing on the streets of London if someone catch it bin it, clin- it kill it so, you know, that was nothing compared to obviously what we had in the last two years, which it just sort of mm. stopped lives for every, everyone's life or the fact that it stopped everyone's life in one way, shape or form. So if that didn't happen, then maybe I would have been on this podcast earlier. Maybe I would have done Edinburgh earlier. Maybe a lot of things would have been different and a lot of people wouldn't have unnecessarily lost their lives, most importantly. so
0: Just because I I think, I think it's only fair to ask, how fucked up was that for you guys? on the front line it's
1: weird it's a weird weird for me because obviously my my background currently is more surgical so i was getting a lot of praise obviously eight o'clock people thursday people banging their pots and pans oh we love you we praise you Uh,
2: when they did that did you did you come out to your balcony in your scrubs and be like what are you guys doing here again (laughs) oh my god i just came to water my plants in my scrubs guys guys How embarrassing. I feel like Eric Nassau and E.R. Oh.
1: <laughs> sometimes, I, yeah, sometimes I'll like, leave for my night shift early just at eight, <laughs> uh, just to get the applause sort of. Oh, mm. uh, guys, like, um, <laughs> but for me, I felt like a bit of a fraud taking all that praise and adulation because I wasn't actually in like, A&E or in critical care because I'm in the surgery background. Most of our elective operation just got cancelled. So I wasn't doing as much as you probably think I was doing. But I still took the praise in like I was. I still took all the benefits. I still got my free cost of coffee and everything like that. So, But on the whole, the hospital, everything shifted. There was just a reallocation of services completely for, to A&E or to critical care. People got redeployed. People got sent to places or doing jobs they're not very much comfortable doing just because it was needed at the time. So it did fuck up everything. And there's a huge backlog if people tell you for appointments and for operations that yeah. they probably got 12 months added to where it was pre-pandemic because... People still need treatment, and all that treatment got stopped because of all the. F- I call it a fiasco. Whatever you want to mm. call it, all of the above.
2: Definitely, because because uh, and you probably can correct my uh knowledge in virology. Corona is a part of a collection of uh, SARS viruses that mm-hmm. cause res- res- respiratory disease. Do you think the issue then, in terms of because you obviously said that you'd want to be able to find a cure for COVID? It's an interesting one because obviously, a vaccination was synthesized relatively quickly compared mm-hmm. to previous pandemics. Mm-hmm. And ironically, despite the fact that this was a global pandemic that, requ- that necessitated collaboration between medical professionals globally in order to synthesize a vaccine, mm-hmm. this is probably the first time I've seen a pandemic where people have been massively resistant to a vaccine being created despite mm-hmm. it being necessitated. You know, I say that because you, you watch films like uh, Outbreak, 28 Days Later, uh, 12 Monkeys, you look at those. I, I used to look at those films. and think, well, I wish we could have found the vaccine a lot quicker. Mm. And then we, ha- and then we have an, an era in time where, obviously, medical research has advanced to the pack it took us maybe a year and some change, probably with some of the prior research that was going of into, yeah, you know, yeah, with yeah. the SARS virus, with, with the SARS outbreak as well. Mm-hmm. But at this point, one of the first times people have been resistant to a vaccine when it's available, mm-hmm. which I think was very strange.
1: Yeah, I, I think it comes down to what we we're saying earlier before, obviously the. Dr. Google being about, Twitter threads, someone saying something publicly online, which sort of like your ears like hearing what they're saying. So you you may go against the sort of evidence. You may think your evidence or your quick Google search matches up with professors and scientists who live and breathe this stuff. You know, mm. because you've done a 10-minute little read on Reddit, that doesn't compare to someone who <coughs> spent years studying a PhD in virology and whatnot. And I think people have the gall to go up against these people with their little quick research. I think yeah. I saw, was there a question, someone on question time that did that? I think it was a young person on question time who had all these papers and they're ruffling their papers, trying to ask a virologist or someone with a PhD, a question. Um, so, yeah. so I just think that um, we, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I think we're not, we're not respecting professionals.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, professionals. yeah definitely. not Now op- opinion now takes prescience over, you know, like I said, med- med- medical uh, competence. Um, <laughs> I want to go back to the answer to your first question, the autoimmune one. Is that you said if I could cure an issue, it would be alopecia, which uh, you know, for anyone who's paying attention, would probably you and I would stand to be primary benefactors of that. <laughs> Most um, but is there? But I don't want to presume is there a particular reason why you would have chosen alopecia as a autoimmune oh, disease that you can oh, there's cure?
1: Lo- there's loads of like autoimmune diseases I could I could have chosen, but I think. Obviously, just because when you said autoimmune, the first thing I thought was Jada Pinkett. So I said, let me, let me, mm-hmm. let me say her, because that was a big thing. Obviously, the accusation was that she's publicly talked about her autoimmune condition. So Chris Rock should have known not to make a joke about something she can't change. So if we take away that condition. Can she
2: not change it, though? Because obviously hair transplants are available for a lot of people. And if you have the right amount of money, you know, as I say to people all the time, it's not like she's going to end up with a Donald Trump hair transplant. Like, she'd get a really good one, like Kanye or like Chris Brown has.
1: Oh, see, so you just mentioned two people I didn't even know had hair transplants. So that's how good... That's how good is. they
2: are. That's Damn. how good it is. Damn. That's how good it is. So, you know...
0: I didn't
1: even know. That is... So, basically, the plan, I need to become a millionaire in the States and then... whoosh.
2: Becoming a millionaire seems to be the cure to a number of uh, physical ailments <laughs> that human beings have. <laughs> You'd be surprised... How if you prescribe a million dollars, how many diseases that can I'm, cure? i have to
1: start saying that to my patients. You have got this problem. Just become a millionaire. Like, don't come to me. Become a millionaire, and then it will go away.
2: And then you can become the Republican Party uh, <laughs> the surgeon general.
1: <laughs> have a disease. Get rich. Stupid. Get, get your money. <laughs> then you'd be
2: fine. <laughs> on the point of money, though, I really feel like if you were able to synthesize a treatment for alopecia, you'd become astronomically wealthy. I think. Oh,
1: oh goodness gracious! Oh man. man. Oh my I, goodness.
2: I, I really, I really don't understand why people waste time doing research on how to maintain male erections or enlarge penises. where if you could have a pill, give out the money.
1: That's Yeah.
2: Why. Who cares? If you could make money, making women's hair grow, you would be a billionaire. Mm. You'd be so, so rich and deservedly. So, um, on that point, how far, from your perspective, is this advancing? How, how's that, how's Seemed that going? Seemed really interested in this one,
0: Dane. Uh... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, just kind of, what do you think? Yeah, uh... like, what is, what's this thing on my head where hair used to be? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I wish. I, I... Howard, I, and I, I'm interested, how because you know what? I want to I invest in this kind of thing, right, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some course. people want to do crypto, but I reckon if I do Chrome Dome investments... <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: that's, why, that's yeah. where the real money's at that's where I the real wish, money's I at I wish my, my ears aren't too close to those streets I wish they were that's probably what I should be doing man like I should be doing a bit of comedy then on the sides I just say start looking into that because that is the thing we could stop we talk about climate change there's a lot of men taking flights to Turkey. That's a lot of fuel that's being burnt. Yeah. Turkey, there's there's stuff so really affecting the carbon footprint. From a climate change perspective and we can keep those people in England and treat them here. Right. So, yeah, I, I need to, that, that spurred me on. You've given me a good idea.
2: This is what I'm saying. I'm, this, that's right, Howard. I'm not just doing it for me and my own vanity. No, I'm doing this for Greta Thunberg and all of the future generations. That's it they having their put their their environment ruined by insecure men trying to turn back the years. I do so. often
0: think when I on a I think on a daily basis I receive the whole Are you happy with your penis spam email? Uh I must stress I've not el- solicited these emails. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got a fucking child out there, Michael. I can prove you know, that's proof yeah, that yeah, everything's that's working. Proof that something's working. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I look at those emails and I think, God, there's so many people working on this. And you have to think that one day, when the world is literally burning to the ground, people will be like, I "Really, should have a go at those people who were just trying to get big dicks, right?" That was <laughs> big dick meant to put those fires out. You line up these dicks and <laughs> start fanning the flames, guys. I don't think the size of penis affects how big your bladder is. No, that won't. That won't change. That, that won't change. You know. No, I just mean using it as
2: literally just like a like a mat, like a ah, fire mat. Right. Ah, <laughs> big flaccid dicks just point out fires, yeah. point out wildfires.
0: Yeah, you, know, you really singe, you really singe those dicks there, Dane. I think if you, if you well, go you down that what?
2: road, you know it's one way of dealing with the patriarchy and dealing with the uh, the uh, environment at the same time. Sure, but nobody likes the smell of a burnt dick. Uh, no, they don't, Howard. How did we get here, Michael? I, I, is, uh, Michael. Sure. What have you done <laughs> here, Michael? <How> is...
0: <laughs> why are you not? Why are you not <laughs> are, you sure, this? are
2: you sure Howard doesn't need to be evaluated, Michael? Are you <laughs> uh, seeing this? You <laughs> need
0: to see someone. <laughs> I think <Yeah. laughs> hey, Michael was the kind of guy that I would love to just I, honestly. We could if we could be friends, that would be great. And you know, I I just no, feel no. very calm. I feel very calm in you. Very calm, you know. Very calm in his presence. Day. Oh, That's the aim. Okay.
2: I don't know how much value you would add to Michael's life as a friend, though. No, I, I'd
0: be a waste of his time. I'd mean, absolute, <laughs> literal waste of time. <laughs> uh, I'd
2: like, I just, I just keep him on his toes by showing him stuff on the neck and back of my neck and, you know. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> would you say that the uh, COVID-19 would be the, the highest priority right now to find the cure for?
1: Um, obviously, we've well, we got, we got vaccines and whatnot. But if I'm saying if that was something that we could just completely, and maybe yeah, in what? 2020, this would have be been more useful. Uh, at yeah. the start of March 2020, more specifically, it got rid of it. But I think that would have been something. Just the way it's just hindsight is 2020. Oh my god, all the puns. But I'm just saying, looking at what has happened because of COVID, yeah. that would have been something. Just to, if we could have just nipped it in the bud. I
2: told you, I get it. I get it. I uh, because I I really feel like the uh, pandemic or the virus itself wasn't necessarily the issue. I think it was the protocols that came into place, uh, legislation that has changed over the course of the pandemic that has been the real disease. Like, I mean, for me, the uh COVID-19 really revealed how much of a disease that capitalism is. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I, I found it to be really awakening. I think a lot of people were had the condition of, of capitalism where it took for a global pandemic for people to realise you don't actually have to... Commute and destroy yourself from the inside in order for you to sit at a desk and earn money when you know all it took was for nature to kind of lift up one of its fingers and everybody had to stay home
0: mm-hmm. and
2: even though we were all at home, not that everybody's situation was ideal, but we were still able to uh have a function in society without That's having true. to go into work every day and I think a lot of people have realized that they can work from home. I think there was a big obviously a big phenomenon of people. In the leisure and hospitality industry, retraining in different jobs, realizing that they had the competence to get better work uh, and more gratifying work, and not have to return at the behest of people that kept them treading water in a capitalist fashion. Um, And I think, for me personally, the small uh, recovery of the environment that we were seeing in places like Venice, where the aquatic uh, marine life was beginning to recover, increases in like the numbers of bees was happening. I think that uh, COVID-19 definitely showed us that um, despite all of our uh, pretentiousness as a species, we are still definitely a part of nature. And rather than this theory of being a dominant species, we are more of a custodial one to an extent. And in fact, to suggest that we're a dominant species would suggest that we are a distinct species when we in fact share our own body with other organisms and other species.
0: Hey, if I was trying to cure a disease or trying to cure cure a virus, the human race. <laughs> Howard, <laughs>
2: I only know two people that have said that. Howard, you and Prince Philip,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and also Agent Agent Smith in the Matrix. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking
0: more about Agent Smith. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> eugenics, I like
2: it. Yeah, straight eugenics with Howard there. No, I'm
0: joking. I'm joking. But I mean, you know what? I I I feel. Cleansed a little bit by today's episode, <laughs> Dane. I feel like I've sat with a man who is basically at the other end of the mental spectrum to me, uh, who's just got it all together in a way that I don't about many subjects, and um, I'm ready to, you know, start afresh, basically, mate. So, thank you, Michael. Yeah. So,
2: thank you, Michael, it's been a real pleasure having you on the podcast. I hope thank that uh, hope that you've uh, enjoyed uh, this consultation. Uh, from us. Um it's
1: definitely nice to be on the other side. Well, there
2: you go. Yeah, I hope it, it, at least at least had a little bit of time off before you have to go back to the grindstone. Um, but what I would like you to do is obviously um, to let our audience know, for those of you who may be attending the French Festival this year, Michael will be performing his debut show, No Scrubs. Where can they see it,
1: Michael? Oh, yeah. Pleasant's Courtyard, uh, specifically the cellar at 8.35pm. I'll be there every day while Tuesday the 16th.
0: And you probably want to uh, book now, guys, because once word spreads you ain't getting tickets yeah it's a, and, it's, a, it's
1: a it's a very cozy venue it's not it's not uh, it's about a 50 40 50 seater so yeah you gotta get your tickets as soon as
2: get it soon because Michael Akadiri is about to go viral and we don't mean literally. And in the run-up to uh, uh, your, your performance at Edinburgh Fringe Festival, is there any other places that we can see you as well, Michael?
1: Yes, I'm doing quite a few previews. I'm doing previews in London. I've got previews booked back in Bristol, up as far north as Buxton, Leicester. And I'm trying to sort out another date in Cambridge. So if any of those cities uh, take a liking into, I have a link free, uh, which is basically at Michael. Akadiri, which is Alpha Kilo Alpha Delta India Romeo India? Put that into any social media handle or link free, and you will find
0: me. We wish you nothing but luck, mate. We wish you nothing but luck. No, thank you very much, Howard. Much appreciated. So,
2: ladies and gentlemen, and uh, people of the non binary community as well, um, check out Michael Akadiri. I think you will enjoy his uh, form of medicine as he administers it. Um, and I personally vouch for him as uh, Dame Baptiste, if that means anything to you. Uh, I need uh, Akadiri.
1: That. I mean, put on a poster. Thank you.
2: Feel free to, but backonia, thank you very much for coming to the podcast. We
0: genuinely appreciate having you on.
1: Thank you to both of you. Much appreciate it. Take care, people.
0: You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste and myself, Howard Cohen. For more from Dane and myself, make sure you follow us on Instagram at DaneSnapiste and at the Howard Cohen. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for Dane, make sure you send us a DM on Instagram, at podcast, and we could feature you in our next episode. Thanks for listening, guys, and remember, question everything. Insanity Group.